0: You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, a Rockies podcast from Rocky Mountain Rooftop Network, a proud member of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Skylar Timmons, finally back in uniform suited up here off the IL. Uh, I wouldn't deal with bronchitis and dealing with other stuff. So, well, I was visiting family and bronchitis, so it all worked out. But I'm here once again and reunited with partner in crime,
0: Evan Lang. It's good to have you back. We didn't even have to get a uh, rehab start for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm just that good
1: coming off the bench. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how it goes. Can't do any worse than the Rockies.
0: I mean, but to be fair, we could be doing worse. This is true.
1: This is definitely true. But remember, Evan, we'll always have those two days in March.
0: Yeah, those were the those were the days. What glorious days those were. Where we just <laughs> came out and shut down the powerhouse Padres, won the first two, two games. games of the season. Had the Padres fans on Twitter all in a huff. And then it all went downhill from there. It's all downhill from, from here. there.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, it's been rough going of it, but we got we Yamchud. Got yeah, we've been yam chud significantly. Uh, but it's good to be back in action here. Uh, special thanks to Kenneth and Mario filling in quite a bit. Hopping on as a duo to help you out, Evan, while I've been on the mend and doing stuff. But what's up, Evan? What's new since we've last spoken? How are you feeling on this first little bit of the season started? Uh,
0: bad. <laughs> we, the, the first two games had you feeling hopeful despite the fact that you probably shouldn't have. And then we lost the second two. It's like, all right, fine. Series split against the Padres. I'll take it. And then just got absolutely crushed in that two-game series against the Dodgers. Come back home, barely won the home opener, and then got crushed last night by a rebuilding Washington Nationals team that has one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. Mm -hmm. So
1: what a way to celebrate 30 year the 30th anniversary as a team fun stuff by
0: being about as good as the 1993 team
1: <laughs> yeah well in some aspects at least that team had some offense
0: yeah i don't i don't know when we're supposed to start seeing the dividends from this new offensive philosophy if there but, if there is one but it's not been great <laughs> and i'm not I'm not really sure what else to expect at this point, because you have some guys who have been great. Um, Mm -hmm. Charlie Blackman's been solid. KB's been great, though he isn't generating that power yet. Uh, Alaris Montero's actually been pretty solid as well. Uh, And you had some guys who started great and then immediately fell off a cliff. So Mm -hmm. CJ Crone won National League Player of the Week and then immediately nosedived to being uh, one for his last 20 at time of recording yeah maybe mlb shouldn't hand out awards
1: after the first three games of the season player of the week yeah and what's he done since then not a dang thing yeah so it's rough going here at the early goings uh i'm kind of in that same boat nice to see some pieces you know performing decently enough good to see chuck performing good to see kyle freeland who will get in here into here for a second Uh, a lot of pieces in the bullpen have been decent Uh, could be worse and uh, overall there's some good stuff going on but like you said it's just more of the same more of the same that we'll definitely have time to talk about throughout the season as usual but kick things off here let's talk about Kyle Freeland and that home opener especially and just Kyle Freeland as a whole uh, because so far, he's the ace. He's turned out the two ace outings in the rotation. Everybody else, as the first time through, is kind of up and down the second time through. Thus far, Kyle Freeland's been the most consistent pitcher on the Rockies right now, and tossed out a, a gem of a game on the home opener, his third home opener, which is the most in team history for the Colorado kid, which is a pretty nice thing. And it was the 11th 1-0 game in Coors Field history, just the 12th 1-0 game in Denver history and Rockies history. Uh, they had one at Mile High Stadium. But Kyle Freeland on the, on the home opener, tossed out six and two-thirds innings, solid shutout baseball. Kyle Freeland, we got to be
0: feeling good about him, don't we, Evan? Oh, definitely. They're... There are some things to be a little worried about. Um, we, we talked about it a little bit during spring training, but he's seen some steady declines in his, uh, fastball velocity where he's hitting like between 87 and 89, which is, is pretty low. Um, when he used to be sitting at around 92, 93, but he's making really, really effective use of his other pitches. Um, especially the, um, his curveballs looked really good his other breaking pitches looked really solid and now he's turned in the the two i would say most solid performances of any Rockies pitcher at this time uh Erman looked great in his uh first outing of the season but did scuffle just a little bit in his in his second outing which was unfortunately uh against the Dodgers but then we have uh Kyle Freeland come out and on that Rockies home opener, he he throws his second straight, quality start, six-inning-plus shutout. He upped the strikeouts much more. Uh, in his first start against the Padres, he only struck out one batter, and he walked one batter. Uh, and keeping those walks to a minimum is great because in his second start, that home opener start, he only walked two batters, and he struck out five. Um, he gave up a decent amount of contact, but it was all fairly weak contact. And when he did give up hard contact, he had um, some really great help from his outfield defense, especially and Profar in that home opener, which was really unexpected. But currently, Kyle Freeland has a zero ERA and just really has been one of the better pitchers on this team and pitching really, really uh, pitching really well. And you never know, you know, when that's going to come off. But starting the season with two straight quality starts where you didn't give up any runs is exactly what you want out of that guy.
1: Yeah. And I wrote about this. uh, Was it last Thursday filling in for you on the rock pile and talking about the. The Rockies rotation, as much as, you know, the the offense is going to struggle, we'll complain about the bullpen and the offense and everything. But the Rockies' philosophy and the way they've tried to approach their winning baseball these past couple of years has been based on the starting rotation. And they're going to live or die by the starting rotation. And thus far, it's not looking too good with the rotation, just inconsistencies and underperforming. But Kyle Freeland is going to be that constant. He needs to be the leader out there as you know, he's the local kid. He's got the, the passion and the, the vocal leadership that they need. And something that's stuck out to me is yeah. Kyle Freeland's not going to be blown it past anybody. That's just not who he is ever. Uh, Hopefully he gets some more ticks on that fastball as the year goes on. He gets loosened up more, more action. But I think the growth with Kyle Freeland has been, he's, he's out of the rotation. I think he's the one who fits the mold of when I think of pitcher, And pitching, I think of Kyle Freeland because he's constantly tinkering with his arsenal and he's trying to outsmart the batters and everything. Whereas in today's baseball, in today's game of baseball, pitching is kind of between two things of guys who just trying to blow it right by you, wipe out stuff. And then you got to have your crafty guys, your lefties like Kyle Freeland, who have to a little bit rely more on their technique and their skill set and their arsenal to get you out because they're going to try to outsmart you instead of trying to overpower you and think of pitching. There's that difference between pitching and throwing. And I feel like there's a lot of guys in that rotation right now that are focusing more on throwing as opposed to pitching, if that makes sense. But it's finding his spots and Kyle Freeland's doing good. He's finding his spots, getting his ground balls, getting his fly balls, solid attacking the zone and limiting walks. And so it's nice to see him come out and perform like that because we need him to do that. We don't need him to be – it'd be nice to have 2018 form Kyle Freeland, but I don't think we're ever going to get that to, to that degree again. But they
0: need him. They need this version of Kyle Freeland in that rotation. And we've talked about this a little bit on the show before that we're probably never going to see 2018 potential Cy Young finalist Kyle Freeland again. That's just not who he is as a pitcher. I think, unfortunately, it's been pretty clearly demonstrated that that season was more of an aberration. But that's not necessarily the Kyle Freeland that we need as a team. What we need is exactly what you said. The crafty lefty who hits his spots, who gets stuff done, and is going to go out there and, and tinker and find ways to get guys out. And that's exactly, like you said, what he is doing and for that home opener two hit uh, two walks and four hits in six and two thirds innings. I'll take that any day of the week with this rotation. Mm-hmm. And that's and something that this rotation, how the Rockies can survive is these
1: guys more or less turning out quality starts. If you can go give the team six innings, you no know, two to three runs, keep them in the ball game and, Keep your walks down, for goodness sakes. We'll get into that. That's what you need. And Kyle Freeland's, I think, that model of consistency of, this is what a successful pitcher in a Rockies rotation can do uh, in a different mold. It'd be nice with more, a little bit more velocity, but he can get by because big leaguers these days are so used to hitting 96 to 100. You get a guy out there throwing 87 to 89, kind of throws them off a little bit but he's the leader that they need in that rotation. And I I like the comment that he had that it seems that Bill Schmidt is like Thanos with the infinity stones, slowly just trying to gather in Colorado born pitchers (laughs) and just make them the rotation for the Rockies, which is a weird philosophy to go with strategy wise, but Hey, if
0: it works out might as well, but yeah, the the Colorado kids in the in the pitching room have been pretty solid. Um, where Pierce Johnson has two saves, he's been he's been super solid. Um, Ty Block overall has been not amazing, but he's been what we've needed in a long reliever, especially with him having to come in multiple times in long relief for Jose Urania, who we'll talk about a little bit more detail later but overall they're getting the job done with what they have in that department so you know if you're getting these Colorado guys and it's working <sighs> I see no problem with that like um case williams from uh, castle rock looked pretty good in his first start of the year with the Hartford Yard goats mm-hmm. and so really what it is is and we we talked about the quality starts so far Three of our guys have at least one quality start. Kyla Freeland has two. And the other two, they they don't. And it's been tough starts for them. And I want to start with Austin Gomber, who Gomber has perhaps the most at stake this season of anybody in that rotation. He's to, He has to very clearly show that he is a big league starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. um especially with the fact that he's one of the two remaining players left from the Nolan Arenado trade and Gomber's first start of the season was actually not that bad um he gave up the he gave up the home run which was not great but outside of that he only gave up four hits and three year runs total had a quality start had four strikeouts only one walk for your first start of the season for Gomber especially with how much he struggled last year that is a okay in my book. I was perfectly happy with Gomber's first start, perfectly cromulent first start of the season for Austin Gomber. It did embiggen our hopes in him, absolutely. But then you have the first starts and now second starts of Jose Araña and Ryan Feltner, and it's like we, it's like we talked about in the back end of this rotation, the wheels really fall off. And the worst part of it, I think so far, has been Jose Arrana, where he is not necessarily the number three guy, but they have him pitching in the number three spot. Um was talking with Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post, and he basically said, Arrana is the number four, but he pitches in the three spot so you can break up the lefties and Freeland and Gomber, and that's fine. But even for your number four guy, Arrana has been bad, 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 Mm -hmm. bad, where... Both of his first two starts of the season, he can't make it through three complete innings. He gives up four or more home runs in those less than three innings. He's throwing 70 plus. He's giving up tons of walks. He's giving up home runs. Uh has already given up three home runs and seven walks. With, with one strikeout. <laughs> with one strikeout. He is not hitting his spots. And the issue with this is I I've said this before, I don't think Arrhenia's a number five guy on most other teams. And we have him in the high back end of our rotation, and he's doing the the same things. So he did the same thing in both of his first two starts. And Buddy Black was like, oh, well, he needs to to live down in the zone he's getting um he's getting too many pitches up in the zone but the issue is it doesn't matter if you live down in the zone when you're not hitting your spots and mm-hmm. he's he's not doing that at all mm-hmm. and at this point if you give Jose Arenia a third start next time through the rotation i think that's just incredibly foolish De- definition of insanity of now we've had the same result two straight starts for arania we already know that this season is not going to be a season of contention put somebody else in that spot let connor Siebel give it a try heck let ty block give it a shot because ty block has had to pitch two plus innings in relief of arania both of those starts now call up noah davis do something because Mm arania is clearly not the guy and skylar you said something about about this on Twitter, where it's uh, it's pretty clear why Urania is only getting paid three point five million dollars when a lot of the other starters on the market are making a lot more. Mm-hmm. And like I think so we talked about before, the Rockies I think just got priced out
1: of the starting pitching market because you look at all the available starters that were out there; those guys, most all of them, were getting one one two year deals, ten million. Uh, no 10 million a year. And then the Rocky is trying to go bargain bin shopping for a guy that did really good or was serviceable in his, in his time last season, which, you know, Urania was, we saw what he can do when he's just pounding the zone though. And I think he just got, he's gotten complacent or I don't know what happened with spring training and these early starts, but he's not throwing strikes. Either yeah, he's overthrowing and he's missing the zone completely Because, yeah, a guy that works down in the zone, that's where he lives, getting ground balls. But the problem is, is when you're throwing those and you're not getting chases because you've been doing the same exact thing for, what, nine years now in the big leagues? And he's doing the same exact things, and we know how good scouting from other teams is against us. It's just not working out for him. And so, yeah, I think it's him and Ryan Feltner are kind of – more or less on the hot seat here in these in this month of April of who's going to lose their spot when Antonio Senzatella comes back in a month. As he's making his strides, he seems to be on schedule to start next next month. In May, who loses a spot in, rota- in the rotation when he comes back? Uh, I think that's the question. Does Ryan Feltner, if he continues to struggle and things unravel, uh, and he can't throw strikes does he get sent down? Does he get moved to the bullpen? Uh, or does Urania get moved to that bullpen? Because I think the writing's on the wall that like Connor Seabold's probably going to get sent down whenever you know, Senzatella comes back, probably. But what happens between the, these two guys, between, or between Urania and Feltner? And so far, I think Urania sh- hopefully should be more on the hot seat, because you don't have as much stake in him, where he's a pretty easy DFA in a month. But it, but knowing the Rockies, he's going to keep getting as many chances. No, I think that's same old thing. They just yeah. keep doing the same old thing. We'll, we'll we won't go off on that tangent. Same thing with offense. They preach something new, and then
0: execution, they're just doing the same old thing. No, what worries me about Irania is that the Rockies are paying him mm-hmm. more than they are paying Ryan Feltner. Um, and I'm going to be honest, I don't know how many options uh, Ryan Feltner has left um, minor league options. But Probably I won. definitely can see this organization going, <sighs> well, we're paying $3.5 million for this guy, so mm-hmm. we want him to keep getting these starts, mm-hmm. which is... A very flawed reasoning and and i'll be clear i don't know if that's what the rockies will do i just have a bad feeling about it especially when he's already he's already overpaid like that that is too much for jose arania so like it was he and chad cool we had to decide between we picked arania chad cool got signed by the nationals on a uh, minor league deal and he's making a cool two million now since he's on their roster and uh he'll act cool actually be starting uh tomorrow against the rockies which will be interesting uh, i'm curious to see how he does because his first start wasn't great but now we've got two consecutive just rotten starts from jose Araña, and it's it's really frustrating to think like you said they're just going to keep sending him out there and giving him these chances and it's definitely making me miss Antonio Sensatella, and I really hope that he's a, he's a big boon for this rotation when he comes back because without Arrhenia, for me, the rotation is pretty obvious where it is Erman, Kyle, Sensi, Gomber. You still have that righty splitting up the two lefties, and then I would still say Feltner in the number five spot because this has mm-hmm. got to be a really big evaluation year for Ryan Feltner where it's the same as Austin Gomber. It's time to time to put up your Dukes and see what you got versus we know what we've got in Jose Arana and what we've got isn't particularly good. Uh-huh.
1: And I wonder if one thing that they should maybe do is – you know, skip over Urania, then not have to run him out every fifth day. And saw some people throwing this out on Twitter. Skip him for his next start. You no, know, let Connor Seabold pitch, who's barely done anything since the season started, which isn't a good sign for him because we know what's going to happen when he does come out for some extended time. He's probably going to get lit up, and then everybody will throw up their hands. Rocky's like, oh, he's not good enough, so let's send him down. When you don't give them an opportunity. But maybe skip over him. Somebody's got to do something with this team because they're just doing the same old thing. And that pitching rotation, the Rockies did nothing really to address it. And we all knew it was a weakness going into the season again. And nothing's changed with that. And that's just rough to see and kind of frustrating for all of us because they spent all that time trying to focus on the offense, on the bullpen, but then they didn't address the one thing that really needed some needed a boost in that starting rotation and Jose Reina was not the answer. He was a good fill-in last year, he was not a good fill-in for a team that thinks that they can contend in 2023 in some capacity. You no. Know, it's rough. <laughs> I'm trying yeah, to get it,
0: super angry about it, but it's hard not to. And with, with Connor Siebold, he has one appearance and it wasn't a great appearance. I'll be honest with that, but he came in and I think it was April 3rd where it was already a disaster. The game had absolutely turned into a total disaster. And his first inning of work was fine. And then things sort of fell off the rails from there. And we haven't seen him since. And that's really weird to me because I think it definitely shows how the Rockies favor their pitchers in this, in this uh, on this pitching staff, because you have Jake bird who got ran out three times in the first five games. And in that third time had an absolute meltdown where he pitched basically one third of an inning and it was, it was so, so brutal. This was Ryan Feltner's first start. He ad- admittedly, there was a bad call from the home plate umpire that caused Feltner to walk the bases loaded. Mm-hmm. Um And it, it should have been a strikeout. That should have been the end of an end of the inning. End of the Fine. inning with stranding Freddie Freeman at second. But then to get that third out with the bases loaded, they sent out Jake Bird, who just completely imploded. And they left him out there, and he faced multiple batters. And I kept wondering, it's like, this game is lost. It's the the third game of the season, and you have an off day after tomorrow. Why is he still out there? Just put somebody else in. And after that complete implosion, uh, Jake Birds had several more outings and he's been fine so like we know that it's not necessarily a huge issue but that was a bad outing versus connor siebold same day bad outing we haven't seen him since Mm -hmm.
1: yeah that seems weird i'd really like to sit down and just see what (laughs) what is their plan of attack or their philosophy with how they run guys out
0: it seems like they don't really have one
1: yeah who knows There's a lot of questions (laughs) that we could ask the Rockies, and I think that would be the answer. How do you hope to generate more offense?
0: Uh, Uh I don't think you really have a plan. Uh And, like, there's been some guys in the bullpen who they keep throwing out there, and that's obvious why you do it, because they've been fantastic. Uh, (laughs) Justin Lawrence has looked amazing so far this season. Mm -hmm. That slider of his is art. It is so nasty. And it's been great to watch him develop as a pitcher. But then on the other hand, you have uh, Denelson Lamette, who now has uh, three outings, same as Justin Lawrence. And Lamette has struggled. He's he's not looked as good as we saw him be last year. And then you have Ty Block. Ty Block's had his two outings. Brent Suter's had his two. Everybody has in the bullpen at least two outings, except for Connor Seabold. And that is really odd because this is a guy who you liked enough to obtain and you liked enough to put on the opening day roster. And you know that this team is not a competitive team, no matter who in the front office deludes themselves into thinking so. So why is he not out there at all? Mm -hmm. Like, if they're
1: trying to hold on to, he's the emergency, you know, the emergency starter to save our other arms, get, eat up some innings. Well, you, there's plenty of opportunity, you No, know, keep one of these guys on a shorter leash. Jose Ureña, get us three or four innings, do a piggyback system or something for one of these guys. They can experiment some more because, you know, Connor Siebel, give him a chance, see what he can do. Oh, you know, maybe in a start. If he, what he can do in three innings of work. No, something like that. I don't know, but it'd just be nice if we didn't just keep having these same conversations,
0: you know, yeah. cause it gets tiring. I mean, where... and this is, this is a conversation we've already had this year of mm-hmm. there are no reinforcements coming before Senzatela Taylor is back. Yeah. You have maybe Noah Davis down in A. That's it. Carl Kaufman mm-hmm. is not ready. Jeff Criswell is not ready. They need to keep getting their regular reps. Yeah. So there's there's nobody else. <laughs> yeah. But they keep looking towards the
1: future at the expense of what's happening in the present, which then they keep trying to focus on the present. They're, I don't know what their perception of time is or how they view the timeline of life.
0: Because it's just all over the place. It's something. And it's like, you know, it's kind of funny because it's very clear the Rockies have a very skewed perception of time. Not only based on this, but also like how they look at their past and their future as an organization. Mm-hmm. Like the the sections of time that they very clearly favor in the organizational history over others, mm-hmm. um, the certain players in their organizational history, organizational history that are favored over others. And then they apply this on a game day level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's weird, man.
1: They are the Rockies are a weird team. They're so weird. Um, Which always makes you question of why do you follow them? Why do you (laughs) the
0: the Rockies make you question some things about yourself? Well, the answer to that question is because I've made a lot of poor life decisions, and I might as well stick with them.
1: I guess so. (laughs) That's how it works. But the matter, I think the fact of the matter is, though, is and this there's just all aspects of the Rockies that just aren't working, and I think pitching is the one that sticks out the most because that's the one they try to spend so much time focusing on and improving and trying to solve, which I think if you if they would really try it out, and we've talked about this before, that they're scared of you know, another Mike Hampton situation or something like that, where we can't pay a guy a lot of money to come pitch in Colorado as a starting pitcher because it just won't work. But if they would – I think try harder with the development and studying and you know, with our analytics and really get into the the root of the problem of how do you pitch for the Colorado Rockies? How do we build and develop successful pitching? Not just because they started the season on the road, so we can't blame Coors field effect there. And we just had Kyle Freeland throw one <laughs> throw six and two thirds shutout innings at home for a one-o win. We know it's possible, and I think they use that you know, fear of spending that money, that commitment to a guy, and then are afraid and keep using Coors Field and Altitude as an excuse for pitching, which I okay. think if they try hard enough, they could figure it out because look what Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore just
0: barely did. Both looked fantastic, and I have a hot take because you brought it up. I think the Rockies gave up too soon on Mike Hampton. Yeah, because – you, you, you need to give him, he needed at least three, like three yeah, to four years a, of that deal. Give him some more of that deal because he never really even had the time to acclimate the pitching at altitude. And you combine that with the fact that it's the very early days of analytics. And you know that the Rockies are late adopters to that kind of thing where you could have been working on with Mike Hampton, reconfiguring his approach mm-hmm. and seeing what you can do to make him. Special. Mike Hampton was an all-star. With the Rockies, people forget that he wasn't in his first year that bad. And his second year, not great. Fine. But you signed him to a huge deal for a long period of time and gave up after two years. Mm -hmm. And that one transaction has colored how the Rockies do things from a pitching standpoint for over 20 years now. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that's a lot of things. They give up on guys way too quick. They rush them into things, and they immediately regret it. I think of Drew Pomeranz. I was excited about Pomeranz, and I think he kind of got rushed up a little too quick, and then they gave up on him too soon after that, and then that turned into Brett Anderson and that weird rabbit hole of trades. You could even say the
0: same thing of Daryl Kyle, Mm -hmm. where – They gave up on, they signed him, and then they gave up on him very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And you see them give up on prospects or have guys that fall out of favor. And it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre the way this team conducts itself. Because, like, every team is going to say, all right, I think it's time to give up on this guy. But I feel like the Rockies' measurements for giving up on a guy and how often they seem to do it are very strange. hmm It's a little inconsistent
1: of who's getting given up on, you know, because we look at Jose Urania, I don't think they're giving
0: up on him. Well, it's even like last year they had seemed to give up on Austin Gomber because mm-hmm. he it wasn't that far into the season when they took away his rotation spot and they gave it to Jose Ureña. Mm-hmm when that was another year last year where there were no expectations for this team. And you could have just worked it out and seen what happened with Gomber. Uh And, or like tandem the two, like we were saying,
1: oh, maybe we don't need to roll him out every single fifth day. These guys can kind of piggyback off each other. Okay, you're going to start this this time around. You're going to work out of the bullpen this day. Yeah, absolutely. No, flip-flop that way kind of a pseudo six man rotation you could even something do an like actual six man rotation i don't know if our starters could hold that up for a bullpen though you <laughs> never know but harold castro get more relief appearances turn him into a
0: two-way player it'd be it'd be interesting at least <laughs> like that's be something the thing is when the Rockies are doing the same thing again and again. It's not particularly interesting, but if they did something really wacky like, uh, hey, Harold Castro is going to be a two-way player now. Okay, I'm down. I'll watch that. Let's do it. You want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts.
1: (laughs) The Rockies pitching needs to become Michael Keaton and Batman. (laughs) Or just Michael Keaton in general.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> I don't know. It's this this team is weird and frustrating and it's been a weird and frustrating first couple first couple games. Mhm.
1: And we'll have plenty more conversations like this throughout the season probably. But man, what what a sign of the times we're in what the third regular season episode of the season and we're already having conversations like this. Uh, it do be like
0: that sometimes
1: oh man anyways we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break here and when we come back we'll talk about our new buddy in the outfield yorkson profar and then we'll uh continue talking about some of the rockies 30th anniversary plans that they announced at the beginning of the year and whatever else comes to mind so don't go anywhere we'll be right back Hello and welcome back here to Affected by Altitude. We're keeping things rolling on here as the Super Mario Brothers. Uh, You can call us on the double. You'll be hooked on the brothers. Anyways,
0: (laughs) do the Mario, Evan. I just don't even know what to say to that. Like, that was not a reference I was expecting to come up in a podcast recording today. (laughs) (laughs) I got Mario on the brain. Anyways, we're going to swing our arms from side to side. Come on, it, it's time. Go do the Mario altogether now. Take do the one, Mario. Take one step and then again.
1: Let's do the Mario altogether now. Anyways, let, let's get back into talking some baseball here because I could sit and talk Mario Brother references all day. Give us a new uh, Mario baseball game. Oh, man. There's a rumor that there is one being made, Evan, and Please. I want it. I need it. Two of the most fun baseball games you will ever play. Absolutely. To this day, I still play against my nephew on the uh, on his on Mario Super Sluggers, the Wii one, and that little jerk cheats so bad, so much at that game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you have, but you have to let him do it, oh, because he's a child. He's he's almost thirteen years old, and he still beats me. Oh, then no excuse. Yeah,
1: little, little punk cheats. I know it. I know he does. He does something. He cheats. It's Anyways, He makes it you. He makes you use the uh, third-party controller. Oh man, uh, he cheats. I just know he does somehow, some <laughs> way. I
0: don't know how he does it, but he does. Anyways, if you're, if you're listening, Skyler's nephew, stop being such a cheater. Yeah, Tommy.
1: Anyways. <laughs> Let's keep it rolling here. Uh, we, we talked all about pitching in that first half. And now let, let's talk a little bit about some offense. And particularly, we want to talk about our our new friend in left field made a strong defensive first impression in his first home opener as a Rocky. Um, the offense hasn't shown up quite yet. Uh, but Jerkson Profar... Not sure yet. It's The jury's still out on him. Uh, but so far in that first home, opening, home opener game, and I think as a whole, in the little bit of time he's been with us, the five games he's played, solid defense thus far that Jerickson Profar can provide to the Rockies in left field, which is a welcome surprise. He had three incredible catches on opening day at Coors Field. Including a kind of a robbing a home run, a couple of diving catches in left field, so the the glove has shown up. Offense hasn't quite yet, and your first impressions here, Evan, of Profar in his first couple of games as a Colorado Rocky,
0: incredibly frustrating to watch um, at the plate. It's I'm trying not to jump the gun too much because I know that. Um, outside of playing for team netherlands in the world baseball classic profar basically had no spring Mm -hmm. because he hadn't been signed he played a little bit for kingdom of the netherlands and then went straight back to doing nothing until the rockies signed him and of course you had to have him um take the sort of expended, extended tune-up in Arizona after the Rockies started their first series. He joined the Rockies, and I think it was the last game of that Padres series. Mm-hmm. I think that's when he finally suited up. Um, but defensively, it's exactly like I said, totally solid. And that was one thing I said about the pro far signing uh, when it first happened. Um, some of the detractors were like, oh, he's a bad defender. He's not a bad defender. He's a fine defender. He, Slightly he's, above average he's, is what he's... He is adequate. He will get the job done in left, and I would much rather have him let in left field than Chris Bryant. Mm-hmm. And I think Chris Bryant would agree with that sentiment. The issue is is the bat right now, where he has only two hits out of 20 at-bats, and he's drawn one walk. He's not striking out a ton. He's only struck out five times, so it's not it's not great. Mm-hmm. but it's not terrible that's a 25 a percent strikeout rate that's better than uh like ryan mcmahon right now who's who's been striking out a lot but he's hitting 100 143 100 and has an ops plus of negative 33 right now and i know small sample size it's earlier in the season but we need him to start getting acclimated and mm-hmm. fast especially with this Rockies offense, where it has been a lot more of the same, despite the new hitting coaches and some of the new faces, lots of strikeouts, low scoring games, not capitalizing on runners in scoring position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like we said, I think
1: Profar needs to have just have the benefit of the doubt for now, uh, because, like you said, it's only twenty at bats played four games in the World Baseball Classic and then a couple of minor league games you know, in, in spring camp, in the minor league camp to to end March and then join the Rockies on the road. And so he's, I think he's still just getting acclimated. But you know, if he's still hitting like this you know, early part of May, that's when we're going to start having problems, I think. And as of today on this recording, April 8th, on this Saturday that we're recording in the afternoon. He's not in the starting lineup. Looks like Harold Castro will get the start out in left field. But I I think Profar, once he gets more acclimated and kind of ingrained into the team, because he is the new guy that just kind of randomly showed up, so he hasn't, you know, acclimated everybody. But I think once he gets comfortable, those hits will start coming a little bit more because he does have that useful bat. He's got the power potential in it, a switch hitter. Like and that good sign he's not striking out a ton so he's at least putting the ball in play hopefully those things will start getting a little bit better once he gets a little bit more adjusted and warmed up to the season because I can't imagine just jumping into a major league season without really any spring training whatsoever I think it's just bad timing with everything and Kind of makes you wish that the Rockies could have just signed him to a minor league contract with, you know, the eight million or whatever they're paying him. But that is kind of the the bonus if you make it to the big league club, which they could have told him, like, yeah, you'll make it there. But maybe work the system where he could sign a minor league deal and then get some time down in the minors with Albuquerque to get warmed up and then call him up, you know, after a week or so. And see after seeing how he does down in Albuquerque, because that signing with everything they couldn't replace him on the roster, they couldn't put him on a you no know, a, a whatever. So I think it's just bad, unfortunate timing, and that's led to some lackluster batting results thus far. But at least it hasn't hurt his
0: defense. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I was going to say. Is that the, him being signed to a major league deal, and he doesn't have any options or anything really hurt for the first couple games of the season because we had to run with a short bench and he's not getting regular quality at bats and basically it was a lose lose scenario. Mhm. But so I do have hope for him though because I
1: think a lot, like we talked about we're we're okay with the signing. We kind of liked it and after Sean Bouchard goes down but we're going to need him to they need him to to figure things out here no, pretty soon, and get some better looking at bats where he's then starting to hit line drives, lift the ball a little more, and hopefully those hits start tallying up. Because as soon as he comes in and hits that home run, open the floodgates, and that would be nice.
0: It would be very nice, Evan. It really would. Just (laughs) a little bit more productive at bats in terms of really anything. Because what what we've seen this year is the offense is really not improved. Um, the we had C.J. Crone, and in that first Padres series, we 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 ran up the bell, and we had like five home runs in that in those first two games. And then since then, we've only had two home runs. The Rockies have seven total home runs, three of which are from C.J. Crone, and two of which are from Ryan McMahon. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie Blackman has one and Alaris Montero has one. Then nobody else on the roster has one. Uh, none from Elias Diaz, none from Chris Bryant, um, none from Tovar. Um, you know, you don't expect home runs from Jonathan Daza, but none from him. Uh, none from the bench and the bench players. What's really interesting is that the bench guys actually aren't getting that much in terms of playing time, which mm-hmm. is not what a lot of us expected. It's been firmly the same guys running out there every day. Uh, Mike Mostakis only has 10 plate appearances. Uh, Alan Trejo only has six, and Brian Servant only has two. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of the nature of having the DH now where not as many pinch hit opportunities. And I guess we will say, though, that Alan Trejo at least gets his defensive reps in in like the eighth or ninth inning, yeah. <laughs>
0: In place of Montero, at third especially base. especially if it's a close game, they will yank Montero and and put Trejo in at third, <laughs> which doesn't say a lot for how confident the Rockies are in Montero's third base defense. Mm-hmm. He's been he's been fine. Um, his throws have been a little all over the place, which is a problem where he's he's rushing his can be rushing his throws or overthrowing a little bit, mm-hmm. but. The The defense has not been great, but it really is the offense just continuing to leave a lot of runners stranded. Uh, and the home opener where the Rockies won 1-0, just the 12th time, 11th time in course Field history where it was a 1-0 game. It's not like the Rockies weren't on base. They had nine hits and multiple walks. And they just yes. did not accomplish anything.
1: Yeah, I think that's the big thing is it's just the the lack of execution in those big spots, and I think there's a thing showing that the Rockies are really at the bottom of the league, and they're not walking as much. They're striking out more than everybody. They're chasing a ton more than everybody else. The problems that we thought Hensley Mullins was you know, addressing in spring training, they talked about the fundamentals and – we could see some of those dividends in in spring training, but then as soon as the season started, after those first couple of games, it seems all that philosophy and new hitting philosophy and and you know preaching and everything has just gone out the window and they're just back to their same old method of hitting, which is just go up there and try to hit the ball, you know, swing it, whatever, and try to make contact. And for a lot of those guys, we're seeing guys like Chris Bryant. Who's on an eight-game hitting streak to start the season has a hit in every single game. That's the longest longest of his career. Him and Charlie Blackman are throwing out some really good professional at bats, which are good to see. But then everybody else is just kind of go up there free swinging as normal. It's as if Dave Magadan's still down there in the in the dugout.
0: Yeah, and it, it doesn't help when uh, Jonathan Daza is striking out more than expected. And um Ezekiel Tovar, his bats are really just not acclimated yet to the big league level. And he's one of those guys where, you know, they're letting the rookie play and defensively he's been super solid. It's just letting his his bat continue to develop and they're giving him regular at bats, which is which is great. It's exactly what you want. Um Tovar is again starting in at short today. He's I think started all but one game at shortstop so far this season. Mm-hmm. But you combine that with the fact that pretty much everybody on this team has seven or more strikeouts, except for Yerkson Profar, who has like eight or more less played appearances than most of the other guys on the team, and Charlie Blackman. Mm -hmm. Charlie Blackman is the lowest strikeout total on the team right now in terms of starters with three. And then Profar has five. Everybody else has seven-plus. And I know it's it's early, where in the – not even the second really full week of the season, but we need to start seeing something. Yeah. They've got to clean
1: things up because this offense, we, we want that offense to get back to what it was. Oh, I think a lot of us are just sick of them struggling to put runs up or putting runs up too late when it's already lost. Um, Yesterday, or in their first in that game against the Nationals, they they crawled back, but it's just too late and running out of time. As then the Nationals tack on a couple more and, and run away with it. So it's you need the pitching and the offense to come together at the same time, and that's been a problem for thirty plus years. With them is just no balance when there's good pitching. Hitting's awful and you end up with a one-nothing victory at Coors Field. Pitching's terrible. You put up five, six runs, but you still lose the game.
0: <laughs> yeah. So and in that in that home opener, the pitching was excellent. Kyle Freeland was excellent. Justin Lawrence was excellent. And then you had, um, Johnson. You had Pierce Johnson come in and get a save with two strikeouts. Really, really solid pitching. And then you just couldn't deliver when it came to when it came to the offense. Mm-hmm. But you know, all unfortunately, and I hate to say it, all we can really do is wait and see because it is so earlier in the season that you have to give them some time to turn things around. But mm-hmm. it's the same thing we said that if if this kind of thing is still going or, going on when we get to May, we're in trouble. Yeah. You got to figure out a way to find that balance in that offense
1: because you can't go through streaky things like CJ Crone gets off to a bombastic start to start the season and then goes one for twenty something the next week. No, that's not good. You need and we need. You know, we don't want to push it all on Chris Bryant, but we need him to start hitting with a little bit more power. We need a little more power out of the lineup, less strikeouts, more balls in play, and then. Execute with guys in scoring position. Stop stranding them out there. They're lonely. They want to come home. Stop stranding them out there.
0: Man. And this was, it's very, very similar to how things were last year, where the Rockies had one of the best batting team batting averages in the league mm-hmm. and one of the worst scoring offenses in the league. And we're at a point right now where today, April, Eighth Ruggies have a run differential of negative fourteen. Woo. That uh that's not good. Recipe for success. So we need to figure something out. Yeah. Because
1: it's very disheartening when you see the offenses of other teams and what they're able to accomplish against us. And you just think, man, I wish we could be doing that. I wish we could have a guy hitting two triples in a game.
0: The Rockies have given up two triples to the same guy twice now this season already. James Outman in Los Angeles, and then uh, C.J. Abrams had two triples in last night's game. I've never seen that happen before.
1: It's like when Trey Turner or Will Will Myers just kept destroying us at Coors Field. Or Trey Turner keeps
0: hitting cycles against us. And... What what's really frustrating is that we're seeing other offenses of teams who are expected to be in the in the doldrums like us. Mm-hmm. And they've been pretty fun to watch. Uh the Pittsburgh Pirates are off to a really fun start this season, and they're, you know, expected to be bottom dwellers just like we are. Connor Joe had uh like a four hit game where three of those hits were doubles with Pittsburgh. And they've got guys like Brian Reynolds. Um, mm-hmm. And then even look at the Nationals. The Nationals are a, a rebuilding team with an extremely low payroll. And look at what they did to us last night. Where they just, they clobbered us. And yeah, a lot of that has to do with the pitching performance of Jose Arania and parts of the bullpen where we gave up 19 hits to the Nationals, which is too many. No, but they scored 10 runs on us and we scored five runs, but more than half of those runs didn't come until when the game was already winding down. Uh-huh. Yeah. So
1: it's Hensley. Mullins is really got to show that it's not an organizational failure for hitting, which is what it's kind of looking like and show that the hitting coaches actually do have an impact Otherwise, it's going to kind of point back to there's just an organizational problem with offense and everything else. Because I believe in Bam Bam, but thus far, not looking good. You just know they're going to hit. Yeah, that's baseball. Anyways. Say the line, bud. (laughs) That was a very, very good reference there from Evan on Twitter. Uh I thought you'd get a kick out of that one. It, it worked so perfectly because then I watched the clip of Bud Black's press game
0: conference and he says that I'm like, oh, man, I love Buddy Black, but I am so tired of of especially after a bad performance by somebody going him going, oh, that's baseball.
1: <laughs> Do we have a T-shirt of that yet? Has
0: anybody made a T-shirt? We could make a T-shirt for that. That could be our first right. bit of Come, coming soon to the Rocky Mountain rooftop store. That's baseball yeah we need to start making
1: merch that would be sweet I'd wear a t-shirt that's just him shrugging like that's baseball <laughs> anyways uh, before we wrap up here last thing we want to talk about uh, like we've talked about this is the Rockies 30th anniversary this season uh, I'm glad to say I'm younger than the Rockies I'm not but I'm at least three years younger Whippersnapper. snapper With the body of a seventy five year old. And but uh, there's something we talked about earlier in the in during like spring training stuff that it didn't seem like the Rockies had many plans for their 30th anniversary because we saw what the Marlins were doing with flashback Fridays. They wear their old Florida Marlins uniforms, which look fantastic. So good. And then they're having alumni, you know, every Friday home game throughout the season. It's not just Bits and pieces of that thirty, no, or throughout the season they'll have their their alumni coming in all this special flashback Friday stuff. Rockies finally announced something March twenty ninth. They announced their plans throughout the season, which is it's kind of barren, but at least they're doing trying to do something. It's
0: where better than nothing because for mm-hmm. so much of that off season they gave us nothing. Yeah. And from what it says, they will have
1: Rockies alumni will be invited back for a series of games throughout the season. Each game will celebrate the alumni's contributions to Rockies history with a pregame recognition, video and content highlights, and 30th anniversary themed giveaway items. And then they were very excited that there will be a drone show August 19th to celebrate 30th anniversary. But I'll kind of run down this list here for you, Evan. Uh, Sunday, April 9th, they just having their 30th anniversary of the first Rockies home game in Colorado. Uh, I wrote about that game over on Purple Row, about Brian Smith throwing a gem at 37 years old. Uh, Then the next thing isn't until Sunday, May 28th, where they will have Brad Hopp, Jason Jennings, and Ubaldo Jimenez uh, scheduled to appear, giving away a baseball card set, 30th anniversary. Then it's June 11th. Aaron Cook and Clint Hurdle will be the alumni, and they're giving away a 30th anniversary trucker hat. Then Sunday, July 30th, Pedro Estacio, Jorge De La Rosa, and Carlos Gonzalez with a cargo snapback hat. Then Saturday, August 19th will be Todd Helton Day. More or less, that's going to be the good promotional item, Evan. I think it's a 30th anniversary Todd Helton jersey.
0: And it's a black vest jersey, a jersey that the Rockies don't wear anymore for some reason, despite having an open slot in their uniform rotation. Bring the vest back. Yeah, do something. Bring black back. Come back in black. And
1: then uh, Saturday, September 16th is the last thing they have on their schedule where it's the Blake Street Bombers, Dante Bichette, Ellis Burks, Vinny Castilla, and Larry Walker. Fortunately, the big cat doesn't look like he's scheduled to appear. Maybe that could change. Who knows? That's at the end of the year, and they don't know what they're giving away that day yet. But it's good that they're doing something. But it's it's just disappointing
0: that it's so spread out over the course of the season. Yeah, they could be doing so much more. There's there are some really cool things, like some of these guys that we're getting to see are guys that we we don't normally get to see. Mm-hmm. Um, Ellis Burks is. Ellis Burke's getting a shout out on that last day on Blake street bombers day. That's really cool because I often refer to Ellis as, as one of the forgotten Blake street bombers, where you ask who are the bombers and he's usually the guy that gets left out. Um, yeah. I am, I am bummed that, um, no big cat on that day, but since he's retired, big cat's been fairly reclusive. Um, he doesn't make a ton of public appearances. I think he just likes being at home with his family, which fine. I'm totally fine with, um, yeah having cookie come out and DLR and Pedro Stasio. Those are all really cool. And then uh, Jason Jennings uh, making an alumni appearance is also really cool. Is he's, he's a guy that doesn't really get talked about anymore, but the first and only Rockies player to win the rookie of the year award. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: What are, are there? Any other omissions on these that no, maybe things could change and guys can show up. They you know these, Alumni appearances are subject to change. So I'm sure there'll be some changes in there. But of that initial list, who do you wish
0: would show up or could get an appearance? I'd like to get some guys from that 1993 team. Mm -hmm. Like not even doesn't even have to be huge names, but like Jayhawk. Owen still lives in Colorado. Mm -hmm. That could be cool. Uh, Swift, Ruffin, Need. Or even. What I would have loved to see is a Don Baylor day, and I've said oh, this yeah. before that the Rockies need to celebrate their first ever skipper Don Baylor way more. And I think that they need to retire his number. But I don't know if they need to retire his number. But you know, just honor him. Yeah, put way. up put up his initials. Like yeah, the the plaque thing up with the with the KSM thing. Yeah, because. And and Tyler, you wrote a really amazing series of articles about the the life and times of Big Don Baylor, but he was so fundamental to the developing the identity of this team, and mm-hmm. the fact that there's really nothing on here that includes or involved him that makes me sad. Hmm. Um.
1: There's so yeah. There's so many more days that you could do a Don Baylor Day. Have a you know a day celebrating your other managers. I'm sure you could dust off the corpse of Jim Leland and have him <laughs> hobble out and smoke a heater on the field.
0: <laughs> Do and something. Just curse and yell and cuss at you. Yeah. <laughs> but, just Give it, give him a mic and let him go wild. <laughs>
1: just have the nerve to say
0: something. <laughs> but, yeah, have y'all arrested for impersonating a baseball
1: team. Yeah. <laughs> but I think expanded out more, you no, know, having more of those days, no, a 95 day. Have, bring back as many of, or, you know, celebrate the 95 team. See how many could come, because I'm sure a lot of those guys would. They're not doing much, I would think. You no, know, Curtis Kurt Laskanik, a lot of these guys, what are they doing right now? Bring them in. Celebrate the 07 team. Plenty of guys to come in. We love talking about them. That seems the Rockies love talking about them. Bring some of those guys in. Oh, the 09 team. I, I wish we could see Matt Holiday come back. You no, know, Garrett Atkins. I'm sure they could get Brian Fuentes. You no, know, what's Manny Corpus doing these days? Where's he at? What's he doing? Not Jeff, much. Jeff Francis. Why isn't Jeff Francis on this list? Canadian Baseball Hall of Famer, Jeff Francis. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's the Troy Tulowitzki, which would never happen, but. Yeah. What's what's really a bummer is that the Rockies very much could have taken a a page out of how the Marlins are doing this where there's enough Rockies history that you could do a weekly day. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's Rockies' anniversary Sunday, and this week we're doing this. Yeah. And they've done some cool stuff. Uh, Eric Young Sr. threw out the first pitch in last night's game. That was cool. Mm-hmm. And maybe they'll do more of that. That just isn't listed on the website. That's entirely possible, but uh, a throwback uniform or hat or something would be super cool. The, um, the oft forgotten black alternate Jersey from 93 from 93 to 95. The Don Baylor allegedly uh, hated having his players wear <laughs> uh, the road pinstripes, which were one of my favorites or even just bring back wearing pinstripe pants with the uh with the alternate jerseys because uh-huh. that's what they did for the longest time there's there's I'm I'm not unhappy that we have some cool stuff that we're doing this season but there's so much more that they could have done and that they still could do
1: yeah because you think of how many home games they have in a season and what was it 82 81 home games and then you take a Friday or something out of those series, f- f-
0: Friday or a Sunday, there's a lot more you could do. Yeah. Uh, but but I think there's, there's 81 home games, and they have six dedicated to the 30th anniversary. Yeah. Most of them are on Saturdays and Sundays.
1: You could have turned most of those Sundays throughout the season, hey, we're celebrating so-and-so today or on this weekend – Uh, there's a lot more you could do throw in maybe hopefully maybe they do throw in more days
0: no here's Matt Holiday and Ryan (laughs) Spielborgs. I mean it's it's entirely possible because every now and then we see them add things to the promotional calendar throughout the actual regular season Mm -hmm. but this is such an important year and you know as, as we've talked about fan apathy is a problem and the Rockies are not expected to compete. It's expected to be another losing season. You need to hype up the 30th anniversary as much as you possibly can, mm-hmm. and
1: get those get those guys to come into the get people into the ballpark somehow. Exactly. You now, because you're going to get a lot of visiting fans, you got to get the homers in there somehow. Uh, whatnot? Like Nolan Arnato is coming back this coming week or whenever with the cardinals i'm sure they'll do something there uh, celebrate arnado or something but it, there's so much more in that history to celebrate and it goes back to like we've talked about before just get a hall of fame do something like that a purple jacket club something we saw the marlins or the rays just recently they inducted don zimmer into a into the rays hall of fame and I think they just barely made their Hall of Fame this year, didn't they? This is the first year. Yeah, and they're younger than us.
0: Yeah, it's um, isn't it their 25th anniversary this
1: year? Yeah, probably something like that. Don Zimmer was our
0: bench coach. Put him in our Hall of Fame. We even highlight some really weird stuff. Ken Griffey Sr. was a member of the Rockies coaching staff at one point. Mm-hmm. Bring back both Sandy Alomars. So much they
1: could do but oh well do an old timers game man that would be fun that would be a blast they'd never do it but man that would be fun and that would go into like a hall of fame weekend type of thing yeah
0: like um but man wouldn't you kill to watch larry walker dante bichette Vinny castilla ellis burks and since you're not going to get big cat walt weiss somebody And they all suit up in uniform and play a game of Rockies baseball at Coors Field. (laughs) How cool would that be? Or have them
1: do like a a home run derby type of thing. I would raise money for charity that way.
0: I would adore an old timers home run derby because we know Vinny can still crank that ball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sure most of those guys could, but
1: something like that always so much more they could do, but what can we do? Unfortunately, but at least they're doing something. I think that's the moral of our story. Yeah. They're doing something. It'll be cool to to look back on those. Some nice dates. Hopefully nice. Just celebrate some of those guys and hopefully some more can hop on throughout the year too. videos, other appearances from the Rockies, even if they're not showing up on a game day. You no, know, they had videos from spring training of Matt Belial and Brian Fuentes working with guys and talking about their time with the Rockies. Uh, lots of other fun stuff.
0: Pedro Stasio is a full-time coach with the organization down in the Dominican. Yeah. So he's, he's got that and everything but
1: another helpful way to celebrate the Rockies as we close things out, here's some little promotion tags. Now, uh, (laughs) be sure to check out every Rocky ever. Our new podcast here at Rocky mountain rooftop hosted by myself and my brother, Dustin, uh, we had our first episode, it was just us kind of introducing ourselves, but our first episode coming out this Wednesday, so the Monday, the Wednesday after you're hearing this episode on Monday, will be our first official episode, and we're talking to the big cat himself, Andre Scalaraga. And it's a fun her, conversation. Sure. My brother definitely geeks out about him a little bit. You know, it's, it's, it's a fun conversation and, and fun to look back on these guys and how good some of these guys were, so you can always pay
0: attention to that uh be on the lookout for that uh evan where can the folks find you Uh, so you can find me on twitter at at evan underscore lang 27 i would love to hear from you Uh, i also am doing the thursday rock piles most of the time over on purple row um over on our youtube channel and we post these on our twitter which is at rocky mountain rooftop that's r-o-c-k-y-m-t-n-r-o-o-f-t-o-p uh, I've been trying out something a little new where I'm doing 60 seconds or less little blurts of news via the YouTube Shorts format. Um, unfortunately, I had to take a week off from that this week just to have a lot going on, but um, I'm going to try and get those going again this week. You can also find us the official Affected by Altitude Twitter account, which is at Altitude Effect. And Skylar, where can we find you at? You can find
1: me at sideline underscore crowd and then writing my Wednesday rock piles and... Yeah, and be sure to follow us all on social media. Be sure to like and subscribe this with this video if you're watching it on YouTube. And hit the bell so you get the notifications. Do we have any YouTube sponsors, Evan? Oh, no way. <laughs> we don't have any of that sweet money yet. Anyways, but that's going to do it here for this edition of Affected by 2. Thank you, as always, for joining us. And until next time, Evan, hit him with it.
0: Farewell hellofresh sponsor us raycon please raycon please was it manscaped (laughs) dr squatch what you made that last one up what dr squatch Squatch?
1: yeah with all those soaps and stuff smell like a man